Hello, and welcome back to the Sela Sofa Podcast. My name is Remington Hill. So glad to have you here. And today we've got an amazing guest, Zena Teague, who's the Director of Community Standards and Student Conduct here at IWU. Do not let that scare you. This is going to be one of the most fun episodes. You're going to have a time of your life. So here we go. Sit back, relax, and here's more from Zena Teague. Good morning, Zena. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. So it's so great to have you here, Zena Teague. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you work here, but I'm not exactly entirely sure what you do. Can you tell us? Yeah. So I am the Director of Student Conduct in Community Standards, which is a long title. Um, and so sometimes I abbreviate and I say I'm a conduct lady and make it simple. But sure. yeah, so that's what I do here at Indiana Westland. Um, officially, and then on the side, I also get to work with uh, the Black Student Union as well as the Gospel Choir, and just helping them get founded and kind of move forward with the work that they're doing. So that's yeah. so exciting! All right, so you're the director of community standards, student conduct, or the other way around. Which one? Which one is it? Which one's first? Which one's the priority between the two? Ooh, okay. So you know what? I feel like they go hand in hand, right? Okay. With conduct, we're having conversations about like potential violations. But then on top of that, really, the big conversation is the community standard. And we're doing, we have these conversations about conduct because we want to help students understand like there's a purpose behind it. We want to create a certain ethos in our community. And when you violate the policies that we have, you kind of mess with that ethos. What is ethos? Oh, ooh, we get deep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when I say ethos, I'm I'm referring to um, like the vibe of the community. You know, the way that we can interact with each other, the way that we live together, um, the way that we're gonna do life together. So there's an intentionality behind all of that, uh, and it's not something that just kind of happens. Um, everyone plays a specific part to make the community go. And so when we have um, violations of certain policies, they tend to hinder or, or, or can be like a hiccup in the community. Um, and so we want to be able to address those. Um, you know, for me, I realized that it's not it's not always coming from a malicious place or malicious intent with students. Sometimes students are just going through things. And so for me, it's important to get that background story, understand what's going on in this student's life. Why are they making the choices that they're making and then being able to address it so that we can restore them back to that goodness with the community? So it's it's really not all about like, you know, pointing fingers and, and say what's wrong and all that kind of stuff, but like trying to find some of the underlying things that are actually causing issues in students' lives. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, it, it kind of I chuckle a little bit, it cracks me up a little bit when students are like, am I in trouble? And I, I kind of hate that phrasing. It's like, I'm not here to get you in trouble. I can't get you in trouble. You're an adult, right? So don't think of it. When we think of getting in trouble, you think of like the relationship between your mom and dad. For sure. And I'm not that. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's more like, help me understand why you're making the decisions that you're making. And then let's see if we can find a good way to resolve that and to restore you back to goodness with the community so that there's not this unnecessary tension, friction, or, um, you know, um, having things just like festering because it's been unresolved or unaddressed. That's so good to hear because I feel like I've definitely seen a trend between other students, our conversations saying like, you know, there are times where we feel like we aren't treated like an adult. And so that's sometimes why students even, I don't want to use the word lash out, but like why they make decisions is they say like, I'm trying to take something back that I feel like I've been, mm. you know, robbed of basically. 
But it's good to hear from like somebody that's kind of are you, are you administration technically? I would not say admin. Okay, I'm staff on okay. staff. Okay, it's yeah. good to it's good to hear somebody on staff that you know recognizes that and says like we're here to help you. We're not here to to make your life harder. Definitely not. And also like personally, I went to college. I understand the college experience. Um, now was it in a different context? Yes, I went to school back in what 2008. Ooh, child. <laughs> uh, graduated in 2012, um, but the context was very similar. I went to a, I went to Houghton College, so a Christian school, um, very similar to IWU. Um, as a student of color, I understand that experience as well. Um, I was a student leader on campus. I got into my own trouble on campus there. Um, there was some stuff that I kind of skirted around when I was there. So it's like, I understand. Um, and at the same time, I've also graduated. I've been in the professional world since 2012. And so I also realized why things were the way that they were there and how it was training and preparing me for life after school. And so that's also my take and perspective when I'm meeting with students. It's like, this is bigger than just your time here at IWU. Um, you know, I always tell students who come to my office, like, when you leave here, there are going to be rules that you have to follow regardless, right? And so how can you learn how to live within those? But also, if you do need to challenge it, there's a way to do that, um, you know? And we and we have giants who we learn from. When you think about MLK, uh, Malcolm X, one of my favorites, you know, here, tell me there are so many people that we see that have been able to push against systems that they felt weren't fair or just and so I'm, I'm I support that but there's a way to do it um, and so yeah I, I, my hope is that students can understand that like this isn't just my office and my work isn't just about getting you in trouble it's not punitive at all that's not our goal um, we really want it to be a restorative process a growth process and to help students gain something out of that circumstance it's so good to hear perspective there too um, and some things we'll get into later about talking about you know, developing an understanding of how life will be after college, too. So we will get to that later. But first, tell me a little bit more about you. I know your background is in psychology and sociology, and that is perfect for today. So tell me what the draw was for those areas for you. Yeah. So um, so a little bit more about me. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Um, grew up in a house. I'm the youngest of four. Uh, my dad's a pastor in the Wesleyan Church. My mom's a nurse. And so I've always been around people who are helping, you know, being a pastor, you're helping folks, being a, a shepherd. And as a nurse, <laughs> you're helping people when they're sick and trying to heal them and get them better. And so um, I think I just kind of pull that from my mom and dad. I've always been a helper. Um, and anytime I've thought of a profession for myself, it was always something helping someone else. It just comes naturally from me. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy. And so um, before here, I was actually working as an RD at Anderson University. Loved that role. I had a ton of fun. I'm not even going to lie. I tell Matt Thompson all the time, if you can get me my salary now, yeah. <laughs> uh, keep that and hire me on as RD, you That's got me up. for life. Yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back at it, Good. back in the game. But um, I loved that. And so um, what got me into conduct, though, was just an opportunity to kind of step out of the um, living and doing life in the halls with students um, and being able to to see that I can help students from this perspective. It's not always felt that way. Um, when you think about conduct, you don't think that you're helping someone or naturally people don't think you're being a help to them, but taking the same passion I have to help students to see them want to succeed 
and switching it and using it in a different way than what most think of. Um, and then with my background in psychology and sociology, that helps. And then also I'm, I'm doing my master's of social work here at IWU. And so all of that, um, my hope is that it will continue to pour into the work that I'm doing, the way that I'm going to be able to help students during their time in college. So you mentioned the you know nursing, ministry. That's basically IWU, <laughs> like those two parts right there. But tell me, why IWU for you? Why did you choose to come here and work here after at Anderson? Oh, that's a good question. You know, it, honestly, it's just the Lord. I feel like God has always been kind of pulling me to IWU, um, and I've just been fighting it. And so finally it just made sense. So this is a funny story, kind of funny, but a little serious, I guess. Um, when I was applying for colleges, I did apply to IWU, um, and I almost came, but last minute, literally like a few months before uh, school was supposed to start, somebody at my church had pulled me aside and they were asking me about college and my plans. And I was telling them, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, Indiana Wesleyan, it's in Marion, Indiana. And they were like, well, did you know that Marion was the last place to stop lynching black folks? Yep. And I said, cool, so I'm staying in New York. Uh, yep. <laughs> and that kind of put a period on it for me. Um, but I've always had Iowa in the back of my mind. I've always grown up hearing about Indiana Wesleyan, being a Wesleyan um, pastor's kid. Um, used to come here back in the day for uh, something called um, Teens in Talent, like a little co- talent oh, competition that you okay. get money from. What were you doing? It's called like, oh, so me and my me and my church, we used to come. There were dancers that we had, singers, and then me and my little crew, we were stepping. So, All right, yeah. You know, so That's we always good. had fun coming out here um, and doing that, trying to win a little bit of money for school. Uh, it's called Campus Challenge now, I think. Uh, but, yeah, so kind of always knew about IWU. Didn't end up coming here for undergrad. Um, and then uh, one of my previous uh, supervisors, who's also kind of like a mentor to me, um, Jason Stevens, had told me about this opportunity at IWU in conduct. And he was just like, Zena, I really think this would be something great for you. Um, one, it'll it'll help to grow you professionally. It'll stretch you. But also, too, like I think that you have a lot of the skills needed to do this job in a way that's going to, you know, continue to have an impact on students' lives in a positive way. And so um, for me, I was like, you know what? Let me look into it. I have been talking a lot of smack about IWU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, y'all. <laughs> um, but I looked into it and applied for the job. And as I learned more about what the role was, I really was able to see, okay, God, I see how you can use what, what you've given me um, to really benefit and pour back into students just in a different way. Yeah. All right. So I would love to talk more about your background in psych and sociology. I'm sure there are countless studies about how doing a billion different things impacts us or how going a mile a minute can harm us. But what jumps out to you about all that research? What comes to mind when you think about like what's going on with rest? What's mm. going on with being too busy? Yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, that's a good question. So I think, you know, I really always think about um, studies that talk about uh our attention and how we really can only pay attention to something for about 20 minutes and then we have to take a break. Um, And then also knowing studies that talk about like the importance of sleep and how necessary it is so that we can um, operate effectively. And thinking about those two in this context of being a student, um, in this context of IWU where like, you know, I I feel like all of our students here want to be high achieving, which is beautiful. Um, but also I think we can forget the importance of self-care, even though we talk about it all the time. Um, and then personally, I get it because I was a college student and I was over-involved, but um, something I always think back to is just learning how to say no. 
Like that was huge for me when I was a student. I remember being panicked one day in our student center and one of my good friends, Joe Chin, I'm like, Joe, I don't know how I'm going to do this all. I keep getting requests to help with this and somebody else wants me to come to this event and they want me to help with that. And I still got my homework and I missed class today because I was tired and I overslept. The college experience, yes, unfortunately. Yes, in a nutshell. Right? And I remember him looking at me. He was like, well, say no. I was like, I don't think I could do that. He was like, well, why not? I'm like, because they're expecting me to do who? Like, who put this expectation on you? And why do you think that it's an expectation that you have to meet? And it really got me thinking. And so literally, I remember that day, Joe sat down with me. I had like three emails in front of me that I needed to respond to. And he made me type no, like, no, I cannot participate in this event and hit send. I was like, ah, I feel like I'm letting people down. But he was like, no, like, this is necessary for you, for your well-being. And he helped me to understand that that was going to be necessary for me in my life because it doesn't end here when you're in school. Um, and I realized from that conversation, from studies, research, and learning, that um, people are always going to be asking, whether it's school now, professional relationships, people are always going to be asking at the end of the day, you are responsible for yourself and you have to learn how to say no. And so that's been a big thing for me. I had to relearn it again when I became a professional. Um, I used to work in admissions at Houghton College for five years and that's a demanding job where there's always an event, there's always a parent who wants to talk on the phone, a student who got 30 questions, whatever the case is, and I had to learn how to say, no, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. Um, here's my limit and I'm going to stick to it just for my own sanity. Yeah. And you talk about saying no, you say like, you know, I'm going to say no to this today. One thing that I've kind of learned, I think you'd be able to speak on this is like saying no to something kind of gives someone else sometimes an opportunity to be asked, even though they wouldn't have normally. Cause you know, you're always yeah. the one saying yes. You're always one taking everything on. What has it been like for you? Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know what, I really think that that had, I've seen that um, allow other people to flourish a lot in my life. Um, so, for example, when I was an undergrad, um, I used to help direct our gospel choir on campus at Houghton. And then when I graduated, I had some folks ask me and say, well, you're still working here. Can you continue to lead? And I said, no, I just can't. You know, I'm starting a new job, et cetera, et cetera. But what that did was that opened up the door for another student leader to come in and be able to get that experience, to learn, to, to step into that leadership role, to be grown and to stretch his wings and lead the choir. And that was phenomenal. And he led better than I could have ever have led. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I do, I agree with you. Like, it's important when you say no, you really are opening up the way for somebody else to come and be able to say yes appropriately and, um, grow and expand their own wings and be able to to do some things that they probably have never thought that they could do because they just have never had the opportunity so I love I love that idea of being able to open up doors for somebody else and I mean even though there's a, a selfless component sometimes when you say no to something you're saying yes to something else too mm. what about that for you yeah how's that been yes Ooh, that's a good one um I think I think about I'm trying to think of an example, but I, I do think that that has definitely played out in my life where because I said no to one thing, some other things opened up. Um, 
naturally I kind of think of like jobs, right? So when I'm saying, when I had to say no to my RD job, you know, going back for a fourth year, that would have been so easy. I would have loved it. It would have been amazing. But saying no to that allowed me to say yes to conduct, which opened up a ton of doors for me. A pay raise, which y'all, I ain't mad at. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Also, this opportunity to pursue my master's of social work that opened up for me. Um, so a lot of things definitely open up for you when you say no, when you learn to say no. Yeah. So we've been talking about, you know, conduct and community standards. How can community impact rest? How can community impact rest? Do you ever think that maybe there's maybe too much going on or you're looking for support, but you can't quite find it? How does that, how, how have you seen that even while being here at IWU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. What I'm thinking of is just like the busyness of community. Um, Sometimes we can get so busy with what we feel like we have to be doing, um, what needs to be done. This is the tradition that we've always we've we always have X, Y and Z. And there are times where we do need to as a community be able to say no so that we can respond well to what's happening in the moment. Um, I'm going to give an example I'm nervous about giving this example, but I'm going to just be honest, right? So um, last school year, when we found out that um, the director of IGO was going to be leaving, right, that was also the weekend of FNL. And I know FNL is a big deal. It's a big tradition. And in my mind, I thought, how powerful would it be for us to pause FNL and open up a space on campus where these students who we're going to be directly impacted by that loss in the IGO office, be able to come together as a community and say, hey, y'all, we see that this is hurting you. We see that this is important to you. We're going to pause all the things that are happening. FNL, a football game's a little bit harder to pause because the team was already present and getting ready to go. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what does it look like for us as a campus to pause everything sometimes when a, a population of our community is hurting? Um, I think sometimes we can get so caught up on um, things have to move as planned. Whatever the schedule is, we just got to keep running the schedule. And as a community, sometimes I don't think we show our students the balance and the health and the goodness of pausing, saying no, stopping for a second, being able to sit in the pain, the grief, or the joys, the good things, to sit in that for a second really feel it, um, be able to process it, and then move forward. Sometimes it's just like clockwork. So we got an email at 4 o'clock, director of I goes gone, and at 6 o'clock there was a football game. At whatever o'clock, FNL happened, and life kept moving. And for students who, a population of students who were affected by that, there wasn't even a moment to process what just really happened and what affects that would have on the rest of their college experience. And so for me, that's like a, a practical, you know, example of sometimes when as a community we don't stop, we we miss each other. We miss the hurting. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, really. And, you know, we've been talking about in the past couple episodes how hard it can be for finding Sabbath sometimes as a student, just like finding mm-hmm. a 24-hour period on a weekend, anything yeah. to just like process or just – live and breathe for a second Mm -hmm. um you know and and that is tough and so that's why the podcast is here that's why we're trying to figure out how we can do this yeah how we can have these conversations yeah i want to talk to you more about 
you as a student? How did you find rest as a student? And how do you even find rest now? Yeah. Oh, good question. So um, something that I did as a student and I still kind of live by a little bit, I'm trying to tweak it. But when I was a student, I remember freshman year, staying up late, being ridiculous, and then realizing this is not working for me. I'm exhausted all the time. And so I just kind of instituted midnight is my cutoff, period. And so even when I moved into a townhouse with some of my roommates, I let them know, look, midnight, the lights are off, the doors are locked, I'm going to bed. Like, that's it. If y'all going to be up, just keep it down. Um, And so setting limits for myself, because I knew that, you know, for the most part, I didn't have too many 8 a.m. classes. Most of my classes are around like 9 or 10. So if I'm in bed by midnight, and I can wake up at nine. We good. I'm good to go. Yeah. Like I got all my sleep. I'm Gucci. I could survive. Um, not even just survive. I could thrive off of that. Like I, I can do well. Um, and so in college, I set those limits. I learned how to say no. Um, I, I would say my junior year, I was really thriving my junior year because I had a planner, or, or I learned how to thrive really my junior year. I had a planner that had everything just like beautifully laid out, and so. I was able to see, like, okay, these are the things that I have to do and then know where the time was for me to just, like, kick back, hang out, um, watch the movies movies with my friends, whatever the case is, you know. And so I love that. So as a student, I learned some of those things. I would say as a professional now, um, I cannot survive on this midnight business. I haven't quite gotten it together yet, y'all. But my goal now has been to, like, be in bed by 11 so that I can like have an hour to just wind down, to relax, maybe to be reading a book or whatever the case is, just to like chill out for a second, have some of that reflection time. Like what happened today that was good? Um, how did I see God moving in my day? What happened that wasn't so good? Um, what do I just need to leave alone because it's not in my control? I can't control it and so I have to let it go and just reflect on what's happening that day and make some mental notes of what I need to do for the next day and then try to be asleep by midnight. Um, also, um, just something new, uh, I've been trying to like meal prep because I've noticed as a professional, you know, like lunch and dinner to have though, to go get them during the day or prepare something the day of just feels so time consuming. So I've been trying to do something as simple as like meal prepping on Sunday um, and so, y'all, I'm not going to front this week. My dinner is slamming. So I go, I made some um, mac and cheese cauliflower, and it's hitting. I heard about that. I've seen one of those on Food Network. I promise <laughs> you it hits. So if y'all want some, y'all got to let me know. Um, I'll give y'all my secret recipe. And then also, um, what do I have? I made pork tenderloin in the uh, oven, roasted yeah. it in a skillet. Mm. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, and then uh, made some, uh, some squash and chicken soup. Bruh. And then just in case, I got some, uh, you know, just old school that it just never misses, some spaghetti, pasta and spaghetti, always hits. Awesome. So you know what's going on. Exactly. So, you know, trying to meal plan at the beginning of the week. Um, and then I will say this, I have to give a shout out to Jason Stevens because he's probably one of the best people that I've ever worked for. Um, having somebody like that who understands also rest, able to say, hey, so when have you taken time this month for yourself? What is it? What's the workload look like? How are you balancing it? And so having someone to constantly remind me that, like, also in my work, I have to take breaks. I have to um, pay attention to how hard I'm going or, you know, hey, you could pick it up a little bit here. 
you've been resting a little bit too much. You know what I'm saying? So it's been helpful also to have a supervisor um, who understands rest well and is challenging me in that area as well to say, okay, how can I make sure that you're doing well and you're not going to burn out in the next, you know, year because you're just hitting the paint going hard every day. Yeah. So that's been good too. Yeah, finding that balance for sure. You mentioned earlier that when you have a chance to just reflect at the end of the day on, on things that were like impactful and restful for you, um, what are some of those things that you realize, like, man, that was really good for me? Mm. Um, so something I've realized, especially like post-COVID, um, that's been good is just the connections that I've been able to make this year, whether it's with like students, other staff members, um, those have been really good. So kind of crazy when I wrapped up my job at Anderson, it was because COVID hit. Um, so I didn't even get to say like a good goodbye to my RA team. So I still feel a little like hurt by that. Cause I love, like, I loved my RAs. They were amazing. Um, and so that ended really quickly. And then I very quickly started this job at IWU, um, moved in the middle of, of lockdown, um, started here. Then the person who had hired me left two weeks in to training me. And so for a second, I was like, I don't even know what I just stepped into. I'm scared. Um, and at that time, at that time, like I said, lockdown. So there's no one really in the office. I'm kind of coming to the office every now and again, but there's no one else here really. Um, and then when we finally got back in person, it's masks on. So you're really, I really wasn't able to see people to get to know them, to chat with them. I kind of like stayed in my office quite a bit. Um, so this year I, I've, I've been realizing how much I'm enjoying getting to know like my fellow coworkers, um, feeling more comfortable around them to laugh and joke and be singing my Whitney in the office real loud. Um, <laughs> um, I'm appreciating getting to know students now as well. Cause like, that's where my heart is for this work. Um, and so being able to get to know the students that I'm working for and with, like that makes a big difference. And I love that. So like, um, on Sunday, uh, we had gospel choir practice. Uh, at the end of practice, I left my phone on the risers, and a few of them started recording videos. And so I'm cracking. I'm like, I'm about to post that on Facebook and Instagram, y'all. <laughs> and so Samaj ended up posting it on the gospel choir uh, Instagram. But at the end of the night, I just was, like, so full of joy to know that, like, oh, I know students again. And we can have those, like, fun hilarious moments and we can share that with each other um and so like that feels like such a good thing um and it feels like a blessing if anything to have that again yeah that that is beautiful um talk about blessings what are some aspects of god's character that are most meaningful to you Mm, i think for me something that i always kind of come back to is god's faithfulness um like it it really means so much to me to know that um, no matter where I'm at in life, whether I'm on good terms with God or not, whether I'm struggling or I'm, I'm feel like I'm thriving, I'm at my best. God, who he is and who he is to me always remains the same. He is always faithful. Um, that is like the one one of those like sureties that keeps me centered in life when every like there can be chaos all around me but to know that God remains the same that he is always faithful that he loves me um and not even just that he loves me that he loved me before I even could say that I love him back he had this love for me and this care for me that that does it I'm yeah. like I can I can sit on that. I can 
dwell with that and find goodness there. Um, so, yeah, I would say God's faithfulness. That's special. What message do you have for IWU students in order to encourage them to keep applying themselves in whatever they do? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I would say, you know what, IWU students, I would say um, find, find, the, find the things that, um, one, you feel good at. Find the things that bring you joy and then find the space where that can become or not become, but be worshiped to God and you will thrive there. Um, and whether that's in your profession of what you're trying to pursue for work, whether that's your hobby of what you love to do on the side, just find those spaces. Um, you know, I'm on this is my third school that I've worked at since I graduated and somehow I always end up working with the Black Student Union and the Gospel Choir on all three, at Houghton, at Anderson, and here at Iwu. And it's because those are spaces that I feel like God has gifted me in, but also they bring me so much joy. And I know that they can be given back to God as worship um, to be able to work with these groups and to help them um, grow and develop and see them prosper and succeed. And so for me, that brings me immense joy to be able to do that. And I think I'll probably be doing that work till I'm done in higher ed, you know. And so if you can find those spaces, um, even in the midst of chaos and craziness and whether it's good stuff that's happening or bad things that are happening, whatever it might be, you'll find some pieces of joy and goodness um, that you can participate in and be active in. So, yeah, I would say that find those places where your strengths, your your joys all align and then how that can be worshiped to God and you'll be good. Zena, it has been so amazing having you here. I've got one last question for yes. you. So the name of this podcast is the Sela Sofa Podcast. Mm -hmm. And so Sela, we're focusing on like that rest and finding, you know, peace with God. And then the sofa part, what I want to know is what's the most comfortable or most memorable sofa you've ever sat on in your entire life? Okay, so <laughs> it's quick. No, because I you know what? So at Anderson um, when I moved in as an RD into my apartment, they already had this sofa there. I don't know what brand it is. All I know is that it was perfect. It like, it like hugged you perfectly when you sat in, had the right amount of sinkage, not too much, right? Cause you can get back up easy. It gave you like the support so you can pop back up when you need to get up, but it's, it just like hugged you. And I was so sad the day one of my RAs like jumped and hopped on it and we heard a crack. Oh. And it was broken, and I had to get a replacement, and it just did not. It didn't hit the same Wasn't the way. Same. It didn't give what it was supposed to have gave. <laughs> and so that one couch at Anderson University that's now sitting in the dumpster, or maybe somebody refurbished it, I don't know. But that one couch at Anderson, that couch hit. Glad it lives on in your memory. <laughs> Zena Teague, thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us today. It has been awesome. Um, you know, we're so encouraged by your words and by the work that you're doing here. I, we're so grateful. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate, for, appreciate you guys letting me come and share. And yeah. And thank you to the listener for joining us today. Um, we're so glad that you had a chance to listen more about rest and tips that are really going to help you and things that you can connect with. So join us next week for another great episode. But until then, bye. Bye-bye.